0: Hey, I'm Sean
1: and I'm Jesse and And we're we're the the DMs DMs of of Vancouver.
0: Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM
1: thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing.
0: So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about problem players and uh, dealing with uh, player trauma or discomfort.
1: Today we are once again joined by Jalen Itaniere. How's it going, Jalen?
2: It's going great. How are you too?
1: Uh, doing well. Doing pretty good. Um, so I think
0: <laughs> I think we should start off by just kind of defining what we mean when we're talking about problem players just so that everybody's on the
1: same page. Yeah, good plan.
2: Yeah, no, that sounds great. So, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, if you have your definitions of it, I know I can add to it to a way because um, everyone has their own mindset of it. For me, there's the players where it's like you have the min-maxing, you have the rule lawyers, you have the on-your-phones, you have stuff like that, and those are, you know, your average problem players, If we go up a little bit then, you also then have the ones that bring sexist jokes to the table, racist jokes to the table, inappropriateness, and can create a really toxic vibe. So I'm going to cover both in my suggestions towards it. But keep in mind, a grain of salt always goes in that at every table, the DM should be able to take the temperature of the table and their players of what's going on. So everything being given here is with the with the caveat that at the end of the day, uh, you know your players. You know who you're playing with.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what pretty much what I was thinking. I think you're definitely on the money there with, you know, being able to like, a, it's kind of a DM's job to, you know, take the temperature of the room and figure out how everybody's feeling because, you know, what's inappropriate or a problem at at one table might not be at another table, but it's kind of, I think it's, it's kind of on the DM to like, if you're feeling uncomfortable because somebody, you know, you know, said a joke or did something inappropriate in game or table talk that uh, if you're feeling inappropriate, then there's probably at least one other person at the table and we're going to chat about how to how to deal with those kind of situations
1: yeah i mean as a dm it's partially your job to make make sure everyone at the table is having a good time and if you can tell that for example one of your players is making another player feel uncomfortable you should be able to deal
2: with that exactly
0: yeah and even it even if that the person feeling uncomfortable is is you and you find out from talking to everybody else it's still okay to try and deal with it because i mean you're at the table, too. The the DM having fun is just as important as everybody else Absolutely. enjoying themselves. And, and
2: I've yeah, for forgotten sure. a lot of times, too, is that you are there to have fun as well. Like, this is a cooperative game, a cooperative storytelling. If you, the DM, are having problems with someone that, A, carries out to the rest of the game, and B, you have just as right to a safe space as any player at your table.
0: For sure. So when do you decide... That it's time that you need to talk to somebody who's being so it problem. comes to a
2: few questions in my mind. When does it become too much? Uh, when has it been mentioned? And when is it interfering with the game? And again, we're going back to the lighter version of the problem player. We're talking in this case when it's the rules lawyering, the on your phone stuff. We'll cover the big issues later, but we're going to deal with the annoyances first. Um, so my short answer to those questions is the moment you talk to a problem player is the moment you realize they are. The moment you have become aware that what they're doing is interfering with anything that is the, that made the game fun, the minute they're interfering with anyone else's fun, the minute they're interfering with your enjoyment of the game, is the moment you should realize you need to talk to this problem player. You might not write that moment at the time, but that's when you decide to. The moment you've actually realized, wait a second here, um, it takes some recognition of your uh, some realization of yourself, like recognize yourself and it's going as a DM, work out when you can at times, when situations have made you uncomfortable and not just in game, like take some time out when you're reading books, when you're watching TV, when you're at movies, when you're listening to music. Anytime something there has triggered a little something in your head going, wait, nothing's quite right here. Note that of yourself because that'll also help you moving forward when you DM games to listen to that gut inside you' going, you know what? This is not good. This is annoying me. This is not fun. They're, I'm not enjoying this. Other people aren't enjoying this. And at that moment, then, that's what you should decide. But the longer answer is also, I know I said a short answer, and then the long answer is actually also, uh, before they ever have a chance to be a problem. So when I say that one, um, that's more the session zero Talk to all your players with clear expectations going into the game, what the game will be like, what the world will be like, what the story will be like, because some annoyances and problems come up that maybe player A was expecting more combat and is therefore going to every situation ready to uh, throw down and roll initiative. And maybe player B was expecting a social game more. And so that'll cause player conflict. And so if you address that in the beginning with your session zero, you will actually kind of stop having to uh, talk to a problem player by letting them know right away the expectations, as well as checking in with your players regularly. You might not know there's something going on in the background, but your players probably certainly do. And if they don't feel comfortable talking to you as a DM for any reason, that's also going to be a problem to the game. And it might be that then you won't realize as a problem player until you're losing players and having to find new ones and going, wait a second, why has this person still at my table while everyone else goes on and no one's telling me what's going on. That's an issue as well with having problem players. It can drive good players away. So check in regularly, set expectations clearly, set all that kind of stuff. And if something feels uncomfortable to you, the DM, it very likely, we touched on this even before we got into the question, it very, very likely feels uncomfortable to another person at that table. If you watch an interaction between the problem player and another player that's affected by them and you feel uncomfortable watching, that second player involved probably is intensely discomforted by the situation or has been dealing with it for a while.
0: Yeah, for sure there's uh, I think everybody's got stories of having to deal with somebody at a table that made you know was uncomfortable just to watch them you know interact with other players at the table one of the things that i'm curious about though is i totally agree with trying to set the the ground rules in a session 0 so that everybody is on the same page as to regards to what kind of campaign you want to run you know what kind of tone if it's going to be more social or more combat oriented and all that kind of stuff there are some of the uh, some of the problem players we talked about like rules lawyers and stuff like that is there a way that you can nip that kind of problem in the bud during a session zero or is that the kind of thing that you that you found you tend to discover later on as the campaign goes on like even if it's just you know session like the second or third session where you realize like oh this person's a rules lawyer i have to deal with that now versus is there any way you can find out about those kind of problem players in session zero or is it yeah just something you find out later
2: I mean, uh, as an experienced DM, you've probably played with the rules lawyers types before. So they're probably going to be little things that they'll do in the beginning that will kind of set a flag. I've had instances where I've played with players and the minute they go, oh, I should get this feat because it says so in the book. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. And now there is the, there's again, the caveat here with time and experience with the friends in your group. You'll also learn whether that was just a comment or just a rules lawyering. But usually if they mention that a bunch of times during prep, uh, I find that that's more of a concern. Because like, usually I find a lot of my players that go with the flow will be like, Oh, hey, can we do this? Or it's cool if not. Or hey, this. Or if you have a home rule or a house rule instead to follow this. Like They'll usually engage in a compromising situation. If they're unwilling to compromise, that's a good heads up about some things rules lawyering, min-maxing, or other situations that can arise from annoyances of a player. The other thing is how you set those clear expectations during prep. Like, yeah, there's a discussion of the story, the campaign, the kind of combat and the things they'll be facing that way. But there's also discuss appropriate and inappropriate behavior in character, out of character, at the table and the like. And so you can even say right out, right? Like, look, uh, at my table, we're not going to discuss the book rules unless it's an absolute must know. Basically, we'll leave the decision as happens to the table to keep the roleplay flowing and we can check after the game. If we find that the rule was different than what was decided at the table, we'll discuss the option then. But please, to keep the flow of roleplay at the table, don't bring up the rules. Like, you know, say something nicer that way. <laughs> but basically, it comes down to if it's going to interfere with the game, the role play and people's fun, please don't do this. You can lay that out with your players. Like it's, it's bringing outside of a, not quite game, but even a work thing. I used to have a supervisor that would say, feel free to question me in private, but please don't do it public because then we don't present United front to know what the hell we're doing. That,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: you're, it's about setting a clear boundary your players like, it's fine if you talk to me about this, but when we're at the table, we're playing the game, we're not constantly looking back through the book for minutiae.
2: Exactly. And that's when the expectation is to set up front. And then there's also the behavior one to expect where it's like, oh, hey, you know what? So at this campaign, please, please don't make sexist jokes. Like if your character is like this, you can still play a reasonable way without being gross, disgusting jerk type person. There's ways to do that. And you can set the expectations for that and go, hey, just so you're clear, if these expectations and behaviors, if there's an appropriate the table, these are some of the consequences you may face. And be clear about that too.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Like there's it is definitely possible as a player or even as a DM to have a character that is have a character that is racist. Like maybe they don't like elves or they really hate orcs or the people from this other country or whatever it is. But there's a difference between having a character who is and being that person at the table. And I think it's definitely a very hard line to walk. And I would advise that most people not try to walk it because it is, it is so tough to get right. And so easy to get wrong. Um, And I think also with regards to, uh, you know, telling people up front, or, uh, you know, telling people that like, while we're playing, we're playing, we're not going to spend any time looking up rules. I think just as somebody who's still kind of a new DM, like I've only been a DM for about three years now. And I can remember when I first started, there was definitely, you know, an urge whenever something happened that like, I didn't know the rule a hundred percent or it wasn't, you know fully on board with like oh I, I guess that's how your power works because you know you read the player's manual and you created your character so you obviously know how you know action surge or whatever works what, you know when i in that first year there was definitely a lot of time where i would be like yeah okay we'll we'll look this up and you know destroy the flow of the the game at the table but it's something that i think especially for newer newer dms you just have to get comfortable with saying like okay i don't 100 percent know what's going on with the rules but i'm going to make a decision and we'll figure this out later because like you said we are playing right now and while it might be nice as a dm to know exactly what the rule is and that player might feel you know vindicated or they might feel better that like yeah the dm's on my side but everybody else at the table is not having fun when you're taking time out of the game to look up a rule. And so I think just for newer DMS, it's tough, but get used to just saying, we'll look this up later and just make a ruling. Even if that ruling yeah. is completely it is, wrong. It, that it is, is okay, okay
2: <laughs> to be wrong. It is okay to set new house rules. It is okay to have a character, if a player go, Oh no, my stuff works this way and go, you know what? For this session it does. I'll look it up after and we'll correct later. Have fun with it. Like, It is, I am giving y'all permission right now to just go with the flow of the game. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah, for sure. Cause I think one of the things that's happened to me and it's, you know, black mark on my record or whatever, but like there've been times when I've, you know, in a game been like, Oh, I don't hundred percent know how this looks. I'm going to look up the rule real quick. And then I look up the rule and I'm like, well, that did nothing because this rule is not very well worded. And now I'm just even more confused. So like that is the downside of, of going to look up a rule in the middle of the game is that there's the chance that, yeah, you might figure it out and everything will be more clear moving forward and you won't have to do it again, but there is a chance that it will devolve into, you know, a 10, 20, 30 minute discussion on what did they mean when they wrote this? And that is, I mean, it can be afterwards, but it's
2: not at the table when you're trying to play your characters. I know I I get into those discussions with friends, but anyways.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And Noah, a a quick tip, like Sean, to get to your point when you're a new DM and you have kind of the urge to look up rules more often, like if you're a new DM, a big tip, and I could not recommend this enough, is find a cheat sheet of the most like common rules in D&D. Like you can find one page write-ups of like how a bunch of stuff works and then if you need to look it up because nobody knows how swimming works or something you have it right there it takes you 2 seconds you don't have to flip through the book you don't have to go through the index and then if it's if you can't fit it on there yeah. just make a decision and yeah. go back to it later
0: yeah there's actually a, a bunch of great resources like um, when i first started out i bought the beginner's box but when i started playing an actual campaign i went and bought the the fifth edition, uh, DM, uh, screen. And as soon as I opened it, I'm like, Oh, well, this is not great because a whole, you know, page of the screen, like it only had three panels. One of the panels was entirely taken up with a table so that you could roll NPC names. And that was not what I needed. And so I eventually found a, uh, a DM screen online that I could print out and use with a, uh, I think it's called like the greatest DM screen in the world where I you can I've just slide one. in your own sheets and it's great because yeah, it's great. It's four, it's four panels, which is nice because it's bigger so you can fit more on there. But it means that like, if you want to play a different game, you can still use the same DM screen. But you know, I found DM screens that had like, they were really well put together. They had really simple explanations for all of the rules. And I also did the thing where I, I found a a resource. I can't remember. Where, but I'm, I'll try to put it in the show notes. But it was basically a three or four page printout that you just printed out, and it's got like two, three, four sentence descriptions of all of the rules like every action that you that a player can take, uh, that's defined in the rules. Because you know, players can do pretty much anything, it's D. do whatever you want. Um, but for all the stuff that requires like dice rolls or saves or anything like that. It, it was all on that sheet so that I could slap that down in the middle of the table before we started playing. And it was pretty useful for the first, you know, couple of months because instead of having to go and look up, how does swimming yep. work? How does grappling work? It was right there in this handout. We could quickly reference it, get back to the game.
2: Yeah, and that's something I also love too about character sheets that also included that. I had one of my favorite character sheets in the very middle of the sheet tells you what prone affects, tells you what deaf affects, tells you what blinded affects, and the dice rolls it affects. And it's great because it's right there in your character sheet. And so you don't have to go fiddling around even too much to find it. So not only as a DM, as a player, it also helps, too, to have these things up front. So you and the DM aren't both kind of panicking about this because, good, maybe you found it once and, oh, you've been shot and now you're paralyzed. Okay, great. And the DM moves on to the next person in combat and you're going, wait, what does that do again? Oh, great.
0: Yeah, because I think that's one of the things is that even like I've met people who have been playing for a while, but like, you know you don't get paralyzed every game. You don't get stunned every game. You don't get poisoned every game. You don't get levels of exhaustion every game. So having a reference, whether it's a printout sitting in the middle of the table or something on your character sheet, which is frankly pretty awesome, it means that you don't have to interrupt as a player. You don't have to interrupt the flow of the game to be like, "Um, so poisoned, that means what again?
2: Exactly. And and that's like also to help prevent like, There's something also to go back up a little bit with the problem player thing too. If you find yourself as a player needing to look something up, don't stop the game to do so. Do not get into an argument about it. Do not do anything about that. If you need to look something up, like this isn't, it's just very clear that rules lawyering for anyone watching is not the same as I am unclear, look things up. Rules lawyering is specifically about arguing things as they should be in the book and not taking into account a DM decision, house rules, homebrews, and the like. If you as a player, yeah, you need it, to look something up because you're unclear. Try and do it when you can, when everyone else is engaged in something else to keep it the flow of the game, but absolutely do so.
0: Yeah, it's it's somebody who who argues about rules as written versus rules as intended because they want a specific outcome. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's pretty annoying. Um, but yeah, that's something else, like something that I've gotten into the habit of. I don't have to do it too much anymore because I've been playing with the same group. Uh, So we're all, you know, pretty clear how all like their characters work and how all their abilities and stuff work. But when we were starting out and somebody wanted to use one of their abilities and I wasn't sure how it worked, I would tell them like, okay, we're going to move on to the next player because it's, you know, combat and you've just finished up your round and I know you want to do that thing. You look up the rule and when we come around to it, I'll take a quick look and make a decision. So I think that's just something like as I've matured as a DM is getting more used to just saying like, you know, either making a decision or telling a player to look up the rule so I can take a quick look and then make a decision. But I think not getting dragged into discussions around a rule and how it works or how it's intended to work or what this stupid, confusing meaning means Mm -hmm. is uh, definitely a, a skill that you develop over time. And it, it sucks at first when you don't have you don't mean you know, that skill isn't as strong as it could be but to new DMs out there for whatever game you're playing it it gets easier you'll get the hang of it don't worry
2: it does and, and just so you're aware it, you might never ever uh memorize all the rules or even all their intents that might never happen and that's okay you're not meant to like, even um, if I go back to d d for a moment, because I love it, even with all my other games, even Jeremy Crawford and Mike Merrills have said over and over that the rules are guidelines to fun. Toss it out if it doesn't make your game fun, and do so. Like, at the end of the day, your game needs to be enjoyable. And that's actually, if I want to go back to us, because we started this whole discussion about approaching preventing this. <laughs> preventing problem players. is that That's also an important thing, is your table should be... Entertaining and fun. Like, at the end of the day, that is the number one rule. If you don't remember anything else from any other tabletop game rule book, the number one rule is you should always be enjoying the game. Fun can be a whole bunch of things. Fun can be uh, a discomforting situation depending on the players. Again, you got to check in with them. Fun can be... Major combat, social interactions, a whole bunch of things but your number one rule always should be is everyone having fun
0: for sure yeah
1: so uh, getting a bit bit ma- <laughs> sorry getting a bit back on topic uh, yeah. we've already talked a bit about this but um, are there any ways that you would recommend to prevent or circumvent problem players at the table that we haven't already covered?
2: Uh, second part I should mention so we've talked about the way you can prevent like rules lawyer and the anointing kind of ones covering a little bit of the more concerning problem players. So these are the ones that generally I call the isms players. Which if Mm -hmm. people out there don't know those ones, that's the sexisms, that's the racisms, that's discriminationisms and things like that. Those are the ones that you can't help but cringe when they make those jokes, finger quotes. Um, In that case, you need to be firm in the inappropriate behavior. It doesn't matter if that's been your best friend since grade school. It doesn't matter if that's a sibling. It doesn't matter if they're family. If you are going to accept the inappropriate behavior at your table, you are flagging and signaling to other players there that this behavior is actually acceptable for good or for bad. And in that, it comes down to the paradox of inclusivity. You have to be, you have to exclude the behavior you do not want. And you have to be unwavering in that. Set it clear expectations at the front. Very clear. We, this game does not deal with, um, let's say you make a game and you decide that sexual activity is nothing, does not exist in this game. Not that it does not exist in this world. Kids are still born. But as players, as a DM, you are not going to have any stories around that. You're not going to engage in any role play around that. You're not going to even entertain notions of that. Just, just as an example, that's a little bit easier than less, uh, we'll say less triggering sometimes for other people to discuss out the door. The minute that starts coming up against your wishes is the minute you have to go, nope, we said no to this. And if they go, "Oh, come on though. Yeah, you you were just saying that to make people comfortable, right? Ha ha ha. I'm I'm just I'm just making a joke, guys. I'm just making a joke, everyone." You have to say no. And as a new DM, that can be very hard if that's your friends. And I know it can be. Like believe me, I know.
0: It can be terrifying.
2: Yeah, cuz you're standing up to your friends. You're having to actually stand there and go, "You know what? I can't accept this." And But you're going to have to if you don't want it at your table. If you want to create a space at your table that is inclusive, that is safe, that is welcoming and engaging and entertaining for everyone there, and something has been decided and agreed upon as inappropriate and unacceptable, you have to have your foot down that it's not. I'm I'm going to say something here that I say to every D&D 101 panel, I've given uh, so far on things about these kind of topics. You as a DM will always be able to find more players. Always. As a DM, you are underappreciated, undervalued, and there's not nearly enough of you out there. <laughs> so if, if you always worry that I won't be able to find a player for my game, you will. You will always be able to find welcoming, engaged, wonderful players. For sure. You don't have to accept inappropriate toxic uncomfortable behavior at your table
0: yeah and just to be clear to people listening like if you and your friends are having what i would term a despicable game full of sexism and and racism and that's what you enjoy doing fine you do you just understand that you are going to probably be stuck with just that group of people forever playing Most people don't enjoy playing in those kind of
2: games. Yeah, like I mean, for sure there is. So there is a a Nordic Clark version, just to mention a little bit, that actually examines societal things about that in a respectful, inclusive manner. It's not to say people are racist there; it's that they examine the social cues behind racism, the social structure of sexism, in the sense of a role-playing game. If that's what you're doing, and you're going, you know what, this is shitty behavior, and we're gonna look at how it could have possibly came to be. Talk to your players about that. But that's not the same as, I'm going to be sexist.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not the same as using the characteristic as an excuse to make shitty jokes or shitty comments.
2: Yeah.
0: Something that I've, I've seen um, online when I've been reading, you know, and... This is one of those topics that comes up. I see it over and over and over again on places like Reddit and some of the Slack channels that I hang out on or on Twitter. You know, people saying like, you know, I I talk to this person and or like this person keeps saying these, you know, mean comments or sexist remarks or racist remarks. And something to keep in mind is that just, you know, some people – do this stuff because they enjoy the feeling of power and you don't want those people at your game. And if it's, they suddenly reveal themselves as you know, a real problem player, like somebody that nobody, your group wants to play with anymore. And people have told you as a new DM, it can be scary to kick somebody out of your group. But if you don't want your group to disintegrate because nobody wants to come and play anymore, then sometimes that's where you end up. You have to kick somebody out.
2: Yeah, and we do, and we'll discuss that too. Like we have they want discuss like how do you get to that point? Yeah. And methods to cope.
0: Yeah, but preferably before you get to the point of having to kick somebody out when they're still in the stage where you can potentially deal with them and curb some of that behavior. How do you approach a problem about their behavior so that you can potentially start to deal with it?
2: So I find that when you approach a problem player about their behavior, it depends on the Uh, well, one, it depends on the behavior as we've been discussing here, some you just can't but the other is also it depends on the person known your connection to them Uh, are they just a player that you play with because this is a group that you play with are they actually a friend are they someone that you, there may be an acquaintance you've been playing with for a while and you kind of know them a little but you don't, is this someone that's in a one shot I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things to go with that uh, the main thing though is we're going to talk about it in the case of a group of friends or at least long time group because that's because with one shot you can be like you know what i'll suffer this one time and i'll never see this person again but when it's your group of friends or a group that's been a long time active that's a hard thing to deal with because it can weigh on you as a dm to deal with this and let's set the start record straight on that too as a dm you absolutely do have a responsibility to your players to make that a safe table environment It'd be nice to go, hey, everyone's adults, let them be adults and work them out themselves. But you brought them all to that table. You bear some responsibility for making sure they're all okay. I mean, you can say to them, I expect you all to be adults and deal with it as adults. But you're going to have to play a little bit of mediator. Very likely. Very likely. So I'd also recommend brushing up on those kind of mediation skills. Um, to a degree. So step one, brush up on your mediation skills. Uh, <laughs> step two, depending on the type of group you're in, if it's a group of friends, maybe you were comfortable calling it out right then and there. Like, well, In this case, we'll use a cell phone for an example. You're all at a game. Its initiative has been rolled. Combat is going. And someone's on their phone and holding up the line. And it's happened now a few times in combat. And you're kind of getting annoyed. Your other players are getting annoyed, kind of, because they're you know they're antsy to go. If you want to make a nice little joke out of it that isn't that isn't punching, make a little comment like, hey, are you looking up your spells on there? Because you know you got to do something. Or some little thing to draw attention to the fact that them doing that is holding it up a little. If you're comfortable doing so with your friends at the table. Because you might find that other people might join in. And it's terrible, but it's true. Social shaming, if, if not done in an inappropriate and horrifying manner, can help curb behavior. That's why I say if it's a group of friends and longtime friends, feel free to make jokes out of it. And if you make enough jokes over it at a time and you feel comfortable like being okay with it happening for a little bit of time until the jokes kind of oh, I'm so annoyed with getting joked by this ha 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 eventually they'll probably stop because the jokes get annoying. <laughs> and that's the thing is you can you can make those kind of gentle I'd say those gentle kind of rubber sword, jabs with friends
0: something that i've seen online that works uh, apparently works well too is if somebody's on their phone or just generally inattentive especially in combat when you kind of want everybody to be ready to go when initiative gets back to them is if they're not if they're consistently not ready if they're on their phone or they're just not paying attention then their character got distracted by a butterfly in the middle of combat. Yes, I know it's a dungeon, you know, hundred miles underneath the, the earth, but there was a butterfly and they got distracted yeah. and you move on to the next player because, you know, sometimes, yeah, like call, calling them out definitely can work, but if that doesn't work and you've like, you know, that it's, or maybe it's somebody who just for some reason feels no shame about the <laughs> fact that they're on their phone, then, you know, maybe, you know, excluding them from the combat because they're not paying attention might feel like kind of a shitty thing to do but you kind of it comes back to keeping the flow going where if every time it comes back to this person you have to spend a minute explaining or two minutes explaining what has happened in the last round of combat so that they can then spend a minute figuring out what they want to do then you know that is impacting the game flow and maybe it's better to just skip them until they get their head in the game and they're paying attention
2: yeah, and if they get angry about that, just point out to them where it's like, well, here these all other players are waiting on you, and that's also a bonus to calling it out in game because probably if you as a DM are annoyed, I can guarantee the other players will be like, yeah, you're kind of being a jerk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just the thing. Jalen does not necessarily advocate being mean to other people or insulting them overly much, but but you know what, gentle, gentle nudges with your friends as long as y'all are longtime friends and you can probably you understand they can take it that's different.
0: I've only played it a couple of one shots, but at one shots, people tend to be a little bit more tuned into what's going on. But if, I mean, both of these things still apply to like, if you're playing at a one shot at a convention, I mean, you can't, especially if it's a one shot at a convention, I think, you know, if, if everybody is, you know, they're taking time out of going to see all the other cool stuff at the convention to sit down and play a game, they want to have a fun, engaging experience. And, as the dm it's kind of your job to make sure that everybody's engaged so that everybody has fun and if there's somebody who's not engaged then you kind of have to deal with it quickly otherwise people are going to give you bad reviews and that would suck
2: that would definitely suck especially if you're putting that effort into being a dm at a convention because conventions need more dms that are pretty awesome just just saying yeah just saying Again, as a DM, you're going to be in demand because there's more players and there are DMs to run games. So use that to your advantage. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so what about if you're not comfortable at the table, just to get slightly back on tap, calling out the behavior? And I mean, you can make a joke out of it. You can go just straight, as one of my favorite DMs myself actually does, just a straight, that's not acceptable. And just goes on with the rest of it as if just noping it out the gate and just moves on with the game. That's also acceptable to do. If you're not comfortable fully confronting things at the table though, um, you can also, before, once you've noticed the behavior, but before the next session, talk to that player one-on-one. And here we follow the general rules of, it's weird to call it breakup uh, social cues and guidance and stuff, but it kind of is. One, aim for a public place that you both could enjoy. You want to set them at ease because you're going to have to do an uncomfortable thing, which is confront them about their behavior. Two, try to avoid alcohol and any sort of drugs that would heighten an emotion state in a negative manner. Again, you want them at ease and willing to engage with this. This is also, by the way, again, accepting the problem player is specifically about annoying problem players, not majorly problematic problem players, Um, with all the caveat about that stuff. And then address the issue, not the person slash players. So when you're bringing up a concern with them, mention that's about this thing that they are doing, not them being the person. If that makes sense totally out there. It's You're more addressing, it's like, hey, so I've noticed, you know, oh, yours on your phone. No, go like, when we do combat, we're trying to keep everyone engaged and whatnot. And... When people slow down, that kind of is a problem kind of thing. Like, work out a nice way to pretty much tell them that it's not them, it's the issue. They're nice people. Overall, you understand that they are. They just may be doing a bad habit. And you're trying to help them to have fun. At the end of the day, that's kind of the key to do. And try not to drag other players into it. So don't say that player B and player C said you did this. Try to avoid that because it just drives more conflict at the table and can be an issue even further. You want to say it's an, again, address the issues, not the person players.
0: Yeah. That can be pretty tough because, you know, especially if you don't have much experience dealing with that kind of thing, trying to tell somebody that like, yeah, the fact that you are always on your phone and it's disrupting everybody else, like it can be tough to figure out how to talk to somebody about this, but there are probably, like, I don't have a ton of experience because I have frankly been pretty lucky with, with my groups. I've played, you know, three campaigns and one of them had a problem player, but the campaign ended before it kind of really became a problem. And so I don't have a ton of experience on how to, like, you know, call somebody aside when everybody's leaving or take them out for coffee. Like, what do you say to them? But my suggestion would be, there are probably videos on YouTube to help you with this.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. There's there's definitely stuff, and not just about addressing problem players, but like addressing problems with people. Like like I said, like look at mediation. Look absolutely at ways that teach you to talk to people about a problem you're having with them, regardless of whether it's D and D tabletop, anything else. The way you actually confront people about a problem because that's really what you're doing at the end of the day.
0: I'd probably suggest that something yeah. that just occurred to me is if you look for videos on how to be a manager and deal with problem <laughs> employees. There are probably videos like that that would be pretty applicable to these situations.
2: Yep, absolutely. And if you have that experience in your workplace, bring that over. Like absolutely. If you you can't go at the end of the day, unfortunately, oh, I deal with this all the time at work. I don't want to deal with it here. Well, I'm I'm sorry. That's part of managing a game sometimes, but absolutely do that. And plus side is sometimes if you do that well and respectful with someone who's just a min maxer just on their phone, just an an annoyance, you might set them up for future times of stopping that behavior and making it fun for everyone again. And they might see it. You know what? This is nice. If you find that they're not getting into the groove of that though, um, Maybe it's something for a next game with them. You get to set the rule of, okay, you don't get to min-max. Or, okay, you're not allowed to book this time period. I want you to try something new. And you're welcome to use experimental one-shot games. (laughs) I'm finger quoting that whole thing, by the way, people. To try out taking them off of that comfort pedestal. Because likely when people are doing that, and I mean rules, lawyering, uh, min-maxing, uh, the kind of things that as a player... and I'm not talking about the cell phone stuff. I'm talking about specific problem player things at the table stuff. It comes from a level of their discomfort as well in that they're taking some power from the table to them for reasons. And if you can narrow on that reason, like why are you min-maxing? Oh, maybe the first game they ever played, they felt underpowered. And so now they're doing a power fantasy. Well, as a DM, you can actually fix that by giving people power without them having to min-max as characters, making them feel like what they do matters. Or rules lawyering, it can be like, you know what? We're going to toss the book out. There's going to be no rules here because we're going to try to build a game similar to Apocalypse, Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, Microscope, Fate, where skills are whatever you make up to be. Or you can try the game of One Shoe, which is the minute you have a skill, you write down whatever the skill is. Let's say you can climb a wall with your tongue. Congratulations, that's now your skill because you've rolled high enough. You write down that skill and you've made up a skill and you've made it up what you can do with it. And so if if your players come down and go, well, I do this because it feels like this. I make a really powerful fighter character because I want to feel powerful in this way. Okay, what if you try to like a bard maybe who can't go in hacking, slashing and killing everything easily you want to try that and we'll work out a story that that would feel comfortable with you.
0: Yeah, and I think something to keep in mind with as well is that this isn't a uh, a boyfriend you're trying to fix or or something like that. Like you're trying to make it so that this person is still fun to play with and everybody at your table can still enjoy playing with this person. And at the end of like we keep coming back to this, but at the end of the day you're trying to make it so that everybody at your table has fun, including this person who is being a problem and figuring out a way to address the issue while still making them feel welcome at your table. It's, it's tricky, but as a DM, it's part of your job of being the person who most likely brought all these people together and decided to run a game for them. It's your job to make sure that, you know, everybody, including somebody who might occasionally cause issues is having fun. And so figuring out a way to address the issue that they bring to the table without making them feel horrible or making them feel like they want to leave or never play with you again. It's tricky, but you got to do it.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's always a challenge, right? We we wouldn't need to do an episode on this if it was an easy thing to do, but it's, it's important that you do it for, you know, for like your sake and for everyone else's at the table's sake. Cause I I think a thing we, forget that as if we're dming and we're irritated by a player that can affect our entire game while we're running it
0: and it can affect future games because i've seen plenty of stories where you know a player would be complaining on twitter or reddit about how somebody else at the table was being a problem and the dm either didn't notice or refused to to acknowledge the problem and deal with it and so the you know player a who was having a problem with player b because player b was you know rules lawyering or whatever they decided like player a decided that they weren't going to play in any game containing player b or the dm anymore so it's something that can affect not just your game but any future potential games with the people at your table yeah. all right um
1: let's move on to our our next question here which is uh jaylen When do you decide that you need to ask a person to leave a game as opposed to asking them to fix their behavior?
2: Yeah, so the when you decide to ask a person to leave. Um, I find that depends on the situation and the boundaries that have been set at the table. So we're going to cover that in two parts. We're going to cover the the petty annoyances players that we've been kind of angling chunks of this to. And then we're going to talk about the big problem toxicity ones with this as well that we talked about earlier about the preventing them from coming to your table part because usually they're the ones that you're going to have to just out go uh, at some point i I can almost guarantee you as a dm you're going to have at least one of those in your dm lifetime yeah 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 (laughs) at least one at least one so and i'm sure all players have someone about that in their stories so when it comes to the first one the problem annoyance is one That one depends on the situation, boundaries, and what's been stated to them already about asking them to change, asking them to put effort into it, anything like that. Uh, So I will say, as a DM, you are welcomed to not engage. I know I've said before, like, you're responsible to the players at your table for fun as well. But you are also welcome to the DM to not engage if you choose and go, you know what? It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth this. I'm just going to ask this player to please stop participating. You can, at any point in time, decide that with an annoying player that you just don't want to deal with anymore. There is, Like I said, there's a level of you owe it to the rest of your players to so try and bring them in fun and things like that. But you also can go, I'm just tired of this and don't want to. That is always within your rights and things like that. But the main thing about that is that look into effort around. If, if you have talked to them, If you're trying the approach of, I'm going to talk to them, I'm going to let them deal with things, I'm going to work it out with them, and then hopefully they'll change, when they're not putting effort into it, when nothing is changing, that might take a session or two, that might take talking to them a few times, but once you realize you're getting nothing back from them about them wanting to change that behavior, or they're just paying you lip service, you can actually decide at that point to go, you know what, I don't want you at my table um, after this session, after this campaign, or hey, leave right now. You, as a DM, are absolutely welcome to do that at any any time, because, again, you have the right of making a safe, inclusive, entertaining, enjoyable, fun experience for everyone at the table. Psst, DMs, you are one of the everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, and something to remember is that as the as the DM, like you, this is from, from my experience. I know that I put in a lot more work than the players because, you know, I've got a homebrew world and it's a homebrew campaign. So I'm spending a lot of time, you know, preparing sessions because it's not just, you know, reading ahead in the module to figure out what's coming next. It's figuring out like, okay, they decided they're going to go to this town. I have to figure out who's in this town. What does this town look like? There's a lot of, there's a lot of labor that goes into it and is definitely a labor of love because I love DMing this game for my players. But if one of my players was consistently being a problem player, they were being, you know, rules lawyer or uh, worse, you know, all the various types of problem players that we've talked about. If I'm not having fun playing, I'm probably not going to have fun prepping because I'm, I know I'm going to know that I'm prepping for a session I'm not going to enjoy. And it just comes back to everybody having fun is that, you know, when you start to not want to prep because somebody at your table is being annoying, then it's something that you can deal with by just telling them, sorry, you're not welcome here anymore because I'm not having fun. And yeah, I'm done. I felt like I had more to say, but I don't
2: no that's okay it, that's a good chunk to say actually is like that's something i think and i don't know i've repeated it over and over and over here but i wanted to always repeat it every time dms new dms old dms people looking at dming it's something that if you have to put it in a motto at the front of your binder or digital book or however you dm staple it to your dm screen do whatever you need to to remember this you count as someone at the table who should be having fun you count as someone at the table who shouldn't be dealing with shit. You count. Like I think, there's a lot of DMs I think forget that fact.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've seen online that is stuck with me, and I think it's one of the best pieces of advice is that no D is better than bad D because bad D just makes everybody upset it stresses you out it often leaves you like myself if i've had a you know a bad session like sometimes bad sessions just happen you know you've you made a mistake or the players you know decided to go left instead of right and TPK, this actually happened you trying to- yeah you tpk or what you had to suddenly prep in 10 minutes because they decided to go left instead of right ends up nearly killing the the party or something happened that just stressed you out or, you know, because of, you know, work or something that happened that week, you just weren't entirely in the game and you had a bad day. Like that's, that's fine. But if you are constantly coming to a table where you're having a bad time, it's better to just stop because you, especially as a DM, like you've touched on this a bit already is that you're going to be in demand. You know, if you're a DM and you're willing to DM for people and you tell people that like, Hey, I'm, I'm free. My game ended. You're going to find another game pretty quickly. And more likely than not, it'll be more fun because you have a better idea of what to look out <laughs> for now and how to handle it. But you know, if you've got a group of people that you're playing with and you're just not having fun, no D and D is better than bad D
2: and D. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's exactly all you're saying with that kind of stuff. You are allowed to walk away. You are allowed to hit reset on a campaign and say, you know what, people? I'm going to go take these books, go remap a few things, and I'll reach out to people for a new session. And you're welcome to go, I'm not going to reach out to this person. Because they were a problem to deal with at the table. It is okay to say no. It is valid to say no as a DM. So, and for sure so that's we're addressing again that was the annoyances kind of stuff the people where it's like oh they make the game not fun kind of stuff now we have the f- i'm not even gonna say the fun side because it's not now we have the side where it's actually toxicity where it's the isms peoples
0: the kind of people that when they display that ism everybody at the table goes whoa yeah. wait what just happened
2: Exactly, and I have actually a semi personal story about this because this is what actually colored a lot of my experiences as a DM down the line is what this DM did. Um, so we were playing in a long time campaign game. I was the female player playing a female elf. It was a group of my guy friends, and we had another player join us later in the campaign. He had played another game with us, and I came into that one after they had started, and he took that very offensively to having a new player, a new female player start. Actually, that ended up he spent the whole session pretty much making my, my life and my character's life kind of miserable to get a part on. And then end up leaving the game because everyone else came to the defense of, nope, we should have a new player. Come on. It's okay. So he came back to this one that we'd all started together. He, he came back under the premise with the DM that you have to behave. You've told me you will and you must. And so we're a couple sessions in with him. He's been doing mostly okay. My DM's keeping an eye out on things. And he's like, I fully expected you to... And he talked to to me, too, because he's like, if you snap at him, if you snap at him without cause, you are just as bad, and I can't have that either. Like, the guy was a jerk, but my DM wasn't too wrong on that. If I just suddenly snapped at him, I would be a problem player in that point. Um, I mean, DM was always shocked I didn't snap sooner than this this scene. But what this person did, and DM's... (laughs) Heads up for this stuff. Watch for this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to sexist behavior, misogynistic behavior, racist behavior at the table, because you'll see it. You'll see it in the way they treat players. Uh, This person then, we had finished a temple somewhere. We found this amazing product, a relic, something like that. And we're taking it to someone. And the argument was, we should just hand this over and then they can deal with it because they have a population of this size in this world should have about this many magic makers and probably this many schools so we don't actually have to handle this. Yay, quest over, we're done, kind of thing. And the rest of us just kind of turned to look at me and go, the DM's rules kind of thing. Like the DM decides that stuff. And we just kind of looked and there was a whole discussion was like, well, no, it's not like that. And so we kept on argue the statistical mathematics of this world having this against the DM's designs until finally I spoke up and all I said was, well, it's the, it's the DM's decisions what the world is like and for that i got called an ignorant bitch and was told to shut up my dm at that moment slammed his binder shut looked at the player and said get the fuck out of my house and that has colored so much of my dm experience to when there is an egregious offense no matter the warnings, no matter the layouts, no matter anything else, react that way. Shut the game down and refuse to budge on no, get out. Because if they don't, just go, nope, this game's not continuing. I don't care if you apologize at this moment, get out.
0: Yeah, I am 100% on board with that
2: when to decide to ask a person to leave. There's the parts where it's like, you've talked to them about the annoyances stuff like that. But if that's a moment where people go, whoa, holy cow, this is unacceptable. You can decide that very moment. And don't even have to be like, well, I shouldn't decide in anger or I shouldn't decide in this. Like, no, no DMs. You can absolutely decide in that exact moment to shut down the session and tell a player to leave. And if they do not leave, leave. Leave. Yeah. Encourage the other players to go. If it's your house as a DM, go like, you know what? I'm so sorry, everyone, for the session being interrupted. How about head home? We'll talk about the next one later. You are not welcome at the next session.
0: Yeah, because if a player has said something that makes you actually angry, that has upset you that much, that is a huge sign that they should not be welcome at your table. Like there's a different, like I'm not talking about you are having a heated discussion around rules because somebody's being a snarky rules lawyer. If somebody says something racist or sexist or misogynistic or whatever, something that makes you angry and it's something that you've told them about, especially I would have reacted the same way. I would have said, no leave because to me, at least I'm speaking 100% for myself here, any of that is unacceptable at a table. Uh, it's unacceptable in the real world. It's uh, especially un- unacceptable when I'm with my friends trying to have a good time. And I'm sorry, I'm just real quick. I'm just, I'm, I feel very lucky that I've never had to deal with that <laughs> so far. Um, but, to anybody out there who has had to deal with it, I'm and to you, Jalen, I'm sorry that you've had to be in that situation, but I highly recommend to any DM, anybody running any kind of game, whether it's d d Pathfinder, Pugmire, a board game, if somebody acts like that where you are trying to have fun, it is 100% okay to just tell them to leave.
1: Yeah, especially, especially when they're acting that way towards another player at the table. It's already shitty if they're just saying that stuff on their own. But if they're directing that to somebody else at your table, yeah, no, kick them the fuck out of your house. (laughs) Like
2: I said, for myself, that made going into being a DM at some point actually, I want to say I'm a little harsher at it where there's things I will not stand for at my table and I always say that here they are. And there's lines that just are not allowed to be crossed. And I always put the caveat on it that this is subject to change depending on circumstances, usually in the case of if you do something that wasn't on my list and I find it, whoa, that will ask you to leave. Simple as that.
0: Something that we've, uh, we've talked a lot about problem players and all of that kind of stuff when you're playing a game and something happens in game, uh, like somebody says something in character or something happens in game that is uh, traumatic or intensely discomforting to another player at the table, or even to you as the DM, uh, do you have any techniques uh, to help deal with something that happens in game accidentally or not? So
2: some of the techniques is start session zero and explain the, I always use these three uh, systems. The Fade to Black, the Veil, and X, or some variant of it that everyone at the table can do and see. And that part's important because not everyone can necessarily cross their arms, but it has to be something that every player at the table can do immediately and can see immediately. So the fate to Black is discussed at session zero, where it's moments that hopefully if players are welcome to discuss it Uh, privately or publicly is things where you allude to them. And the fade to black alludes to what you see scenes on TV or movies where they can't show certain things. So just fade to black. There's no allusion to it. There's nothing like that. It's just someone's about to go in, they take a gun, they walk into a building and it fades to black or think of the Sopranos ending. For those of you that don't know, spoiler alert, it's been how many years deal with it. Deal with it. Someone points a gun at Tony Soprano and then it fades to black. So, in that case, then, a Fade to Black works very well for the you allude to something, and as a DM, it can be a good DM tip kind of thing, because then you can have something happen off-screen to your story that won't discomfort or traumatize players. Um, And maybe, in that case, like you don't have to then bring up what happened at all to that degree. It just can be a a story effect. The Veil is...
0: Just real real quick with the Fade to Black, I think the time that I'll, that'll come in most useful is if you have a a player who no matter how old they are is juvenile when it comes to sex and they're like I'm going to sleep with all the prostitutes it's like cool you go into the brothel we fade to black you come back out back out the next day and that's it like exactly. for situations where you just don't want to deal with somebody being juvenile or you know somebody who's just being inappropriate in a situation you can just fade to black and Really quickly give a summation of the thing happens, we move on.
2: Yeah, you can absolutely do that. Or if you have players also as well don't have comfort with certain, uh, v- certain types of violence, um, certain types of abuse, like drug abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, or other types like that, you're welcome to do a Fade to Black and those kind of things. Or you can check on them with a Veil would be okay. Like there's levels of comfort, right? A Veil is more, it's like a Fade to Black with a little bit more description. The veil is where you move away from someone and you see the blood splatter the wall. So while Fade to Black just doesn't show anything, the veil alludes a bit more to it. And so when, people, when you're actually discussing with your players about what comfort levels they have, what they actually aren't comfortable with, what they are, you can use the Fade to Black or Veil to check their comfort levels. Like, okay, you know, let's, let's use a silly example. I hate spiders. I hate and am terrified of spiders. To be fair, in real like RPG games and stuff like that, they don't bother me that much. But in real world, I will shriek and run and avoid them at all costs. So if we use the fade to black for a spider, let's say we have the camera is on a web and then we fade to black. That would be dealing with Jalen's fear of spiders as we just cut it out. We know a web was there. That's it. Maybe you wake up and you woke up in a cocoon. Okay, done. The veil would have camera pans to the web there's a small silhouette that starts moving down it as we fade we wake up to a tiny skittering sound fading off into the distance and blackness in, around you as you open your eyes and it's sticky there's the veil
0: I've heard the veil uh, described on if anybody's familiar with TV tropes, it's also known as the gory discretion shot, where I think maybe the gory discretion shot is a little bit closer to things actually happening where, you know, in a TV show or movie where you see it's, it's the kind of idea of, yeah, you see the blood splatter on the wall, but you don't see what actually happens.
2: No, I think my best example of that one, too, actually comes from an episode of CSI Las Vegas, where Grissom was trying to research a blood splatter pattern DNA thing. And I apologize now for people who watched it. It's going to get a little bit gory here. But basically what happens is it's two shots. The first one has two uh, females tied up back to back with their heads kind of one back to the other one kind of thing and both looking very scared at this person that you can't see. We cut away from them as you hear a gunshot and blood splatter the wall. And it cuts back to Grissom examining a... Red, blue, matching splatter on a wall, talking about the way it was done, of why it was two different DNAs, one splatter, and the DNAs were just similar enough. And so that would be a veil. You have taken away the actual violence, for the most part. You probably would have to cut a little bit more, depending on the viewpoint, And but still led to the story. So, the veil. Especially good for not describing gruesome details and other such torturous instances. Yes. Uh, And then we have the X or variant thereof. The X is an X card or people crossing their arms or, as I said, any method that can be used to convey immediate discomfort or trigger or trauma that was not maybe previously discussed. Uh, this one's hard to bring up in a session zero discussion because it's something that maybe players don't realize bug them until that moment happens. It could be brought up um, maybe with... Say your world does have brothels and also the player does an X thing and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm actually... I No, no, I can't handle it. Uh, or we go back to the silly instance of spiders. So let's say spiders are so bad for me and... I really, really didn't realize the DM was going to have a spider enemy. And suddenly the DM starts to screen this thing coming towards us as a spider and whatnot. I, as a player, uh, cross my arms or raise the X card or use some variant of that. Let's use crossing arms for description. Just understand that when I say that, work for your table of what's comfortable for your table. So I cross my arms. Immediately, that alerts the DM to please remove that from the game We don't need to do any new canon. We don't need to change the story around it. Just switch that enemy out. The X is an immediate, unquestioned removal. Now, that takes a bit of hopeful discussion and working with your players to understand what things the X is supposed to cover. Uh, For example, please, the X is not supposed to cover things like, no, I don't want to fight an orc. I'd rather fight something else. No, the X is specifically for... Tra- traumatic instances or triggering instances you absolutely do not want to discuss and you don't want to see in your game.
0: Yeah, I've seen it as basically a way to for players uh, or the DM, because the DM can do it as well, yeah. to alert everybody else at the table that usually it's fairly clear, but it, you know, if it's not clear, then it's a way to, to let everybody know that the person holding up the card or crossing their arms or whatever signal, whatever the signal is, they are intensely uncomfortable with what is happening at the table. And it's a way to let everybody know that, okay, we need to stop and, you know, maybe rewind a minute or two and, or just throw in a different enemy or find a way to rework the situation of what's happening in game so that everybody can continue to have fun because, you know, people have, varied life experiences. And what you might think of as just, you know, slightly uncomfortable might be intensely traumatic to somebody else. And it's important that you have something at your table that will let you address those when they come up. Because like you said, you can't cover everything in a session zero. You are not a psychologist dealing with somebody on their couch and diving deep into their life history. People might forget that, like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot that, you know, snakes are my something that I just cannot deal with. Even, you know, descriptions of snakes in games is something I cannot deal with. I'm being hypothetical here. But for you, Jillian, like spiders, like your example, just some way to say, let everybody know that I cannot deal with what is happening at the table right now. Can we please fix this?
2: And that's exactly it right like that's a good good thing to have on hand because yeah you just know you might not know and as a dm when you see that be respectful of it don't call it out don't force something to happen afterwards don't think later it's going to be okay and don't force a discussion on the player afterwards on why they did that they might approach you they might not about it but don't force it basically just take that exactly what it is rewind rework move forward and by and by um this is advice for both DMs and players. If you encounter someone who does not respect any of these three things, but especially the X, don't continue playing with them. Like, stop. Because they're not going to respect other things. And it's going to be a problem. And by that, I mean, like, because if you're, let's say you're a DM and you use the X on a player thing. And about 10 minutes later, the player tries it again. And you go like, no, no, we X'd that. You're not supposed to bring that up again. Like, okay, okay. But I just thought like, no, it's it's X'd. And let's say 30 minutes later, they try it again. At that point, just stop. Don't let them because they're not going to respect it. It's The X is meant... That's why the ex is such a serious to me thing to bring up and have. Like, it's important to have for that purpose because it's really meant to be the be all end all of this is serious to me. This is seriously, immensely discomforting. This is potentially traumatic. And this is a boundary issue. And so if you have a player or DM who keeps trying to push that story, push that enemy, push that scene in spite of a very clear no, you want to walk away because that person is then overstepping your boundaries.
0: Yeah. And as a DM, you have the power to stop the game, stop the session, do all that kind of stuff. But it's important to remember that if you're a player and you you know, bring up the X and the other people at the table, keep bringing it up. It is a hundred percent. Okay. To just leave because like I said, no D and D is better than bad D and D and a game where you are being forced to feel uncomfortable because of something that you, uh, for whatever reason can't deal with at that time. It is okay to leave if the other people at the table do not accommodate you. Now, that.
2: We did discuss earlier back uh, Nordic LARPs and things stuff like that and the, the examination of the uncomfortable, but that is always with permissions, check-ins, and discussions. So if someone else in a game ever tries to tell you they're just trying to expand your comfort zone, but they don't get permission from you to do so, they do not discuss it with you afterwards, and they don't follow clear consent boundaries to check in and make sure you're okay they're not. There are RPGs that you're supposed to do that with. There are absolutely LARPs you're supposed to do that with. But it's never forced. So if you're ever being forced to, leave. Absolutely leave. If if To anyone out there, if I am ever your DM and another player is doing that to you, and for some reason I'm not noticing that, I'd hope I would be, but if for some reason, maybe I'm at a con and someone else is in my attention, um, I give full permission. Leave my table. Talk to me afterwards about it, but leave my table. I ask that you tell me about it afterwards so I can know what happened and why you left Um, because I will probably do some Rrr! things towards the other person. But <laughs> you have full permission for me as a DM. Walk away from that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, there's... It's not worth your time to stay at a table where people are disrespecting your boundaries.
0: Well, I think we've reached a good point to wrap up. Uh, Jesse, do you want to do the last question?
1: Uh, Yeah, so Jalen, when it comes to this stuff, uh, dealing with problem players or helping players around discomfort and trauma, what's one thing you wish you could have told yourself when you first started out DMing?
2: That uh, actually, it's the same advice I give all the time over now. Whenever I do the one-on-ones, when, whenever we brought it here, whenever we've talked stuff here, it is okay to kick someone out because as a DM, you're going to be in demand. It is okay to be harsh. It is okay for these problem players to think of you as uh, as a bitch, as harsh, as the asshole, as all this stuff. Because in the end you need to decide what's more important for you. Having a safe space and inclusive table for the kind of games and stories you want to tell for the players who are going to be involved and love it. Or catering to a bunch of well assholes. <laughs> like It is okay. and And that's something that as a starting DM and even almost as a starting player way back in the day I wish... I could tell myself then like, yeah, it's great that my one DM stood up for me that way and actually gave a great, um, great example to follow in those steps. But it always felt very much that, you know, because these are your friends, because these are people that you hang out with so much and you work with and you do this with and you, you share friend groups in other ways and stuff like that, that you have to put up with this stuff. You have to put a smile on your face and just ha ha through it kind of stuff. But no, you don't. In in DMs, if you're listening and you made it this far through this whole thing, and I know it's been rough probably to listen, because this is a very rough topic to listen to. And so many people I know are like either probably nodding along or maybe like, ah, I don't need that stuff. Everyone does, by the way. Everyone needs this stuff. But if you're still at this level and you're hearing this again, and you're hearing me say yet again, it's okay to do this. Here's the other side of it. Not only is it okay, but... Games, game industry, and especially in tabletop, stuff like that, but games in general, are facing a huge toxicity issue right now. There's a whole thing going on, and the most targeted groups are people that might not step forward and speak up at a table because they're used to just being stomped over. They're used to being ignored. They're used to just having to deal with it. So DMs, you may not have to have to have to like always with your own self in mind, your self-care, your, your rights and your stuff like that in mind and being safe for you in mind. You don't have to have to have to engage. But as someone who had someone else as a DM step up and basically tell someone get a sexist jerk to get the fuck out, you will change someone's whole perceptive of a game And DMing and tabletops and all this stuff by just taking that step and going unacceptable behavior is this. I will not allow it. I will not stand for it. And I will not do this. And that's something that young me, uh, now me wishes I could tell young me wishes I could tell a whole bunch of young DMs. And I do tell a whole bunch of young DMs is that be that harsh person. Be that. Because you know what? That that player you're going to kick out likely has been kicked out from other tables before. When you start sharing stories with other DMs, especially if you're in a small group, you will hear, like, oh, I should have kicked that person out a long time ago. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, that's the one thing that I hear most often are people, like, when people talk about problem players, more often than not, there's people chiming in saying, yeah, I should have, there's a, you know, several people I should have kicked out of games long before they became a huge problem because, I knew it was coming. I was just too worried that it would destroy my group or whatever. But, you know, I kicked them out. Things went on as normal or I kicked them out. The group fell apart. And then I found a much better group.
2: I mean, and that's something for myself as a young DM for any other new ones out there that do it. Hit that button sooner rather than later. You won't regret it. I promise you may think you will, but you really, really won't. I think that's it for me.
1: <laughs> well, Jalen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, where can people find you online? And is there anything you'd like to plug?
2: So where they can find me online is a bunch of places, but we'll go with the main ones. You can find me at, for Twitter, I am generally always accessible there, is Crazy J, C-R-A-Z-E-E-J-A-Y on Twitter. I'm pretty open to discussing a whole bunch of things. I've also done a whole bunch of community management and user experience research. So a lot of the things I actually discuss in this or in general tabletop stuff comes from a mindset of how you actually build strong and inclusive communities. So feel free feel free to read my rants there. They go on and they actually show the science. Uh, plug. I will plug 0d20.com, which is the website I co-founded. It is a platform for underrepresented voices in tabletop gaming. Well, in gaming, but we focus currently on tabletop gaming. So... For those of you that maybe don't know that, 0d20.com kind of thing, we believe in crafting an inclusive, socially engaged community and socially engaged advocates for tabletop games. So, all the stuff I spoke about about well, problem players and the people at the table who can't have voices, this is. We basically made a website for that. Come find us, come listen to us. We have some cool things upcoming uh, that I can't fully talk about yet. Depends on when this. Uh, podcast is going to be aired, I suppose. When will it be aired? (laughs) Maybe I can actually mention the thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks from Monday? September 17th.
2: Okay. um, Then I will have to allude to the fact that keep watching the space at 0d20.com for upcoming news! (laughs) Because I can't talk about things just yet at that point. (laughs) <laughs> you can also find us on Google Play, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Anywhere you listen. We have our main one. We have another one coming out in October from Changeling that deals actually with, when I was discussing dealing with things in game in a way that are hard to deal with, that's actually a game that deals with some of those painful things. So come check us out. Find us on Facebook. Talk to us on Twitter. See us on the web. I also do something called roleforchange.org. We do live streams to raise funds for charities. Our next charity will be the actual uh, National Alliance for Mental, mental Health. NAMI. Me. Sorry. But I think I have that wrong for mental health because it's N-I-M-I. <laughs> N-A-M-I. But that's going to be October 20th. And come watch us. We're a good time. But we're the kind of people that we raise funds for a whole bunch of different things. We have raffles, we have things that you can win by donating to us. And then the money, all money raised goes straight to the charity. All money. So we've done the Trevor Project, we've done Name, we've done uh what's some other ones that we have? Oh <laughs> we've done a bunch of different charities. We've been active for about a year. So check us out, we're rollforchange.org.
0: That is super awesome. Thanks so much for coming on and, and talking to us about this. Uh, probably one of the the tougher topics in tabletop is, is this whole dealing with problem players and, and tough situations at the table. And uh, I hope everybody out there is definitely taking some of this stuff to heart because, you know, we all want to have fun and it's important that everybody has fun.
1: Thanks so much for listening. Our art is done by Haley Boros.
0: Our music is Overworld by Kevin MacLeod.
1: You can find us online on iTunes, Google Play, and any podcatcher. And um, you can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. Uh, You can find me at Jesse the Red. And you can find Sean at Sean P. Hagan.
0: We've also got a Patreon. We are on uh, patreon.com slash DMs of Vancouver. All the money goes to trying to make this show even better. We're trying to save up to get some better equipment. Uh, and you get access to episodes early. Uh, currently, just $1 a week or $1 a month. I can't remember. <laughs> I need Yeah, $1 a month gets you access to episodes a week early.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.